0: Hey there, it's Colt Cabana. Thank you so much for checking out the past shows from the archives. All the past ones in this feed are ad-free. I took out all the ads. If this is something you like, you can listen to every single episode of the Art of Wrestling podcast dating back to 2010, absolutely ad-free for only $4 a month on my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Colt Cabana. All right, enjoy the show. This is The Art of Wrestling with professional wrestler, Coke Cabana. Cabana. All right. How you guys doing? Come on in, sit down, relax. You're about to listen to The Art of Wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast. It's a life podcast. It's personal journalism. and an entryway into the minds, the souls, the hearts, and the lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I am your host. My name is Colt Cabana, I'm a podcaster, I'm a mover, I'm a shaker, I'm a mover and a shaker. Most importantly though, I am a professional wrestler and I am sitting here live in my studio apartment in chicago illinois before we go any further this is a fan support and listen supported podcast supported by people just like you we give you free of charge every single thursday colt itunes soundcloud wherever you get your podcasts from a couple great ways that you can support rate review and subscribe on itunes tell a friend tweet it out facebook it out best way that you can support though coltmerge.com t-shirts buttons pictures posters dvds digital downloads premium podcasts a book wrestling dreams done by myself and erica weiss it's all available, ColtMerch.com, DigitalColt.com. And that's right, this would be uh, Black Friday season. That's what they would call it. I am giving free holiday cards drawn by the great Sarah Shockey. If you order something at Colt Merch, those Wrestling Dreams books, I'm shipping them out. I also give a video to a child if you would like one. Just put it on the instructions. I got a couple new shirts. I also have a bunch of leftover autographed Wrestling Road Diaries 3 Fun Equals Money signed by myself, Grado, and Kikataro. A whole bunch of fun gifts. Buy them for somebody for the holidays. That's what you do. And on top of that, you get to support Little Old Me. And Little Old Me is Big Old Me because Big Old Me has left the studio apartment. Oh, man. It was kind of sad for me last week. Last week was the last one I did from my apartment. That I've been in since 2006 it's a long time to be in a place and I was just too lazy to move is essentially what it came down to somebody made an offer on the whole building so I was kind of forced to leave and now uh now I'm in some new digs it's not a studio apartment I feel I still have to say Studio Apartment. I'm sorry if I'm going to say Studio Apartment. Some of you will get a little upset. But if you watched Wrestling Road Diaries 3, you'll see a huge spoiler in there that the place I've done this podcast since 2010 was a one-bedroom apartment in Chicago. The first time I ever lived alone in Chicago, Ukrainian village, I was in a garden apartment, a garden studio apartment, and it really summed up everything, and that's why I always... That was my shout-out to Studio Apartment. So there's a big change in my life, and that is this uh, this new apartment that I'm living in. There's also going to be some big changes to the art of wrestling moving forward in 2018. Please stick with me. In the next couple weeks, I'll probably make one of those announcements. But today, it's business as usual, and Nick Mondo is on the show. For those of you who don't know, he was the guy that got the weed whacker to his stomach in the CZW Tournament of Death and was a a young, hungry, hardcore wrestler, and he put out a movie, and I was super intrigued by it. I watched it. It's on Amazon Prime, so you can just watch it if you have Amazon Prime. A lot of us do. If you don't, just ask a friend their Amazon Prime account, and then you can also watch it. And after watching his movie, I happened to be in Los Angeles, and so it all kind of worked out perfectly Also, it kind of says the guests I have and my age and where I romance the world of wrestling and independent wrestling. Because Mondo, he was around when I was kind of, you know, trying to make my moves on the independent wrestling scene. So there's a special place for me for his involvement in the world of wrestling. And I know I understand this is kind of biased to some of the newer guys coming in or some of the people who have been around maybe 10 years or so but that's just um you know that's just me and the way i view the wrestling world and so it's nothing you can do about it <laughs> this, these are the guys i'm familiar with i know some of their stories i know his story from this movie he put out and he'll he'll plug it at the very end so i hope you enjoy it it's a really really interesting talk and dive into the world or the mind of a, a hardcore wrestler and why he does it and uh you know all the other factors that kind of dive into it so should be good. As for me, I was uh, I was with Ring of Honor this past weekend, just commentating. Sick as a fucking dog. Holy shit. And I don't know if it was the week before and everything that just caught up with me, but uh, I went into the show with a 100-degree fever. And as a wrestler, sometimes we can wrestle 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then we're done. And I thought, oh, this would be easy. I'm not even wrestling, but... It's almost worse because I'm talking for four straight hours doing commentary for Ring of Honor. So it was kind of fun watching my body fight this thing throughout the the three days. And then by the last day as I flew home, I kind of felt well. And I'm happy that I'm here to say that I'm good. I fought it off. My body is strong. My body is not a wonderland. But it's good good enough. And uh, I'll be back next week wrestling in Cleveland, Ohio and Chicago, Illinois properly so I'm excited about that I'm excited about presenting a song of the week for you song of the week is a no brainer also it's by the Pittsburgh based ska punk band the Slobber Knockers they've been on here before their Twitter is at Slob Band their Facebook the Slobber Knockers and their wrestling themed album It's Not Fake It's Predetermined is on iTunes Google Play and all those fun places this is called Hurricane shout out to you Mr. Helms and then we'll be back with Nick Mondo of the concrete, what happened here? We've got a crumb in our hands, we know that it's clear. Somebody call the cops, call 911. Then a man appears before it's done. Here he comes, flying through the air. The villain knocked down with the steel chair. A hero stands above the phone. Join, money in hand, he thinks he's so free Did he get away, did anyone see the villain? Runs and only blocks away from a safe house Where he can't hide for the day He turns a corner, thinks the coast is clear He's taken down with a thunderous spear If you're looking for a hero, think great Nick Mondo not are not that sick these days. Are you sick? I'm
1: healthy Matty Burnsy today. I'm not sick, Nick Mondo. <laughs> I'm doing good.
0: Are you going like when you're doing movies and all that stuff, it's Matt Burns from here on a, here on forward.
1: Yeah, my credited name is Matthew T. Burns, but just about everybody calls me Matt. So yeah. You don't even want anything to do
0: with Nick Mondo.
1: I wouldn't say that. You know, I left wrestling and I pretty much just buried it all for a long time, but uh, for reasons which we'll get into, yeah. of course, I dug that stuff up and I decided I'm not going to try and just bury it and I'm okay with it, you know, finishing my film. Like I've had to look at that stuff plenty, so.
0: <laughs> well, when, I am just say when I do, it's so hmm. weird when I do auditions, cause I'll do audition work and stuff yeah. and I'll be like, uh, Colt Cabana and then I'll introduce myself as Scott to like the people, like it's so weird cause they're not in the wrestling world, but I'm also hoping that one person knows about wrestling so they'll like book me for a gig. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I've had, it's funny.
1: I've had situations where I can, I can think of one really bizarre one where somebody looked up and said, Nick, but they were talking to somebody that was like right behind me. And I, I look up like, yeah, and I see him like looking, looking from me to the other person. Like, what's this guy's problem? Like, like she knew who I was. Like, yeah. I'm Matt, and I'm like, oh, oops, uh, and I put my head down. A wrestling
0: fan, <laughs> you know of the Combat Zone? Yeah, oh, you do <laughs> Oh man. Um, well, cool. Yeah, you're. So you're back in LA, and you. A lot of this is based off of the idea of this movie that you put out, mm-hmm. uh, that you made, mm-hmm. uh, which I watched, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, this is no offense to you or anything. Because I'm just a sucker for any docu wrestling stuff, so I don't know if it was good or not. It was. I think it was good, but I'm just so biased towards any wrestling thing. It's all you know, and it was obviously very well done. But I loved it. Like I and I was enthralled with it, and so I was like, "Oh, this is great that we'll be able to do this and we'll kind of talk about it, but not give too much away." Um, Were you a fan of wrestling docs and stuff growing up and all that stuff? Not, I wouldn't say wrestling docs in general.
1: I just I like to get a closer look um, into a person's life. You know, somebody who's typically hidden behind a character, I guess you could say. And so um, that was the process. I guess it was my time to to do that with my film, and it's it's not your traditional
0: uh, typical film
1: at all. But, but in your
0: in your film, you do a lot of stuff where you where you look back at you as a youngster, and you're filming your stuff as a youngster, mm-hmm. and I. It was a lot, I, I, and I think like I. It makes me think about myself at that age because I think we're like around the same age, mm-hmm. and so I just remember seeing like the first when when Beyond the Mat came on in the movie th- screen. Mm-hmm. I was like enthralled with it. I thought it was the greatest movie. I don't know if that's your idea of Beyond or or Wrestling with Shadows, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the two mm-hmm. big ones I think from our from our youth. Yeah. But when you make something like this, it does. You don't even you, in your head. You're not even thinking about those two big. Well, because I made the. The Wrestling Road Diaries, the, my documentaries, and that's all I think about. Or, yeah. oh, in twenty years, will people think about the Road Diaries like the way they thought about Wrestling with Shadows or Beyond the Mat?
1: Yeah, no, that's it's really cool to 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 think of it that way. Um, with with my film, I wasn't, uh, and I, I do admire those films that you mentioned. Like, I really enjoyed them. I mean, I'm working on several film projects right now and there's a very, there's, there's a science, there's a, it's mathematical when you're laying out the plan for a script for, you know, a blueprint for a film. But with the the trade, with my film, um, it was something that I completely let organically shape itself and I knew it was going to be bizarre. And truthfully, I didn't even know what it was going to turn into by the time it was done. And so here it is. And I w I wouldn't compare it to those films because it's such an oddball uh, it's only wrestling bizarre.
0: because you were in wrestling, yeah, and it really yeah, yeah. wrestling wasn't on the back of your mind, mm-hmm. which I find weird mm-hmm. because a lot of it in the movie you seem to be coming back to wrestling mm-hmm. like it's taking it 's bringing you back, yeah, and I was kind of like interested in how much there is of that kid who is sixteen filming himself doing e c w stuff like still thinks about wrestling in everyday life.
1: I can I can look back on a lot of that stuff with fondness, but I mean, obviously, I took a a darker and a more dangerous path, you know, than you did, and so a lot of it became miserable for me at the end. But I, I can still um, look back at that and have some laughs and have some good memories. What about so. like
0: the nostalgia of but before you started doing mm-hmm. deathmatch stuff? The nostalgia of your love for wrestling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, because I saw mm-hmm. it in the. In the clips of you as a kid, mm-hmm. I only say I saw it because I I feel I did the same thing, and I bet so many of us at home did the same thing. Oh yeah, right of, of and, and not to the extent you took, but getting with your buddies, having a mattress, being in the basement, doing yep. some kung fu wrestling shit. Yeah, like yeah. it's I, I felt just because of the love for wrestling, it's like oh we watch it so much, we got to kind of get it out of our body, right? Yeah, and you know people sometimes talk about the backyard wrestling
1: craze starting. Whenever it was, like late '90s, early 2000s, but oh come on! I mean, you could go back 200 years, and I'm sure there there are kids, you know, beating on each other with pots and pans, and the moms screaming at them. You know what I mean? She's like
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> they were like. We, we went and watched Frank Gotch wrestle. <laughs> like, like we went and watched Farmer Burns and we want to go do what Farmer Burns does in the backyard.
1: You have to do it until you know Billy bumps his head on the corner of the coffee table and gets stitches. I mean, it's just like, this always happens in kids' childhood. It's there's part of growing up, you know. Deaths,
0: not to bring that down, there's got to be backyard deaths,
1: right? Yeah, I haven't heard of them, but it's, it's got to be, I, I I know of kids who have gotten seriously hurt. But seriously, we've never yeah, heard of death yeah, though. Yeah, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. it has
0: to be a reality. Were you in those backyard wrestling videos?
1: No, I wasn't in any of those. Um, we didn't actually know about the craze that, you know, ended up somebody was distributing DVDs on that whole thing. Yeah. But no, no, we would we would call them ninja battles. That was our term for them yeah. And we were inspired by ECW. You know, that was that was coming into um, popularity in the mid 90s. And And uh, fans would bring weapons to the shows, and the wrestlers would come through and grab them and smack each other. And we're
0: (laughs) like, oh man, we gotta go home and do this. We were so excited. So Uh, it wasn't Mick Foley. In my head, it's always Mick Foley for everything. Yeah. Remember when Mick Foley, I feel like uh, Chris Farley, remember when Mick Foley, uh, they they aired his backyard tapes on WWF television. And I felt that everyone was like, oh, he's a WWF wrestler, and that's what he did. We should all start doing it because eventually one day our backyard tapes will be on television.
1: Yeah, we weren't. Uh, no, we were. We were filming the stuff just for laughs. And actually, at one point, um, kids were all talking about it in high school, and we would make videotapes and sell them, and people would buy them. But like, we didn't really have an entrepreneur- entrepreneurial mindset. Like, we're gonna go somewhere with this. It was just for, you know, small time entertainment.
0: You um, didn't have an entrepreneurial mindset, but you were selling them, like. Like pizza day, you were selling. Yeah, well, none logistics.
1: of us. We'll put it this way: we weren't thinking, "Oh man, someday we're gonna save up and get a ring, and we're gonna flyer the town." I know people who did that, and and we're gonna pride themselves on the fact that we got our backyard fed to to get the same crowd as the local indie. We we never thought that way, but I know people who actually did that. You know, did you? Would you? Did you know about the
0: local indie? Where you're from, Minnesota?
1: Yeah, I am, but I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania. Like middle school, high school, I was in Pennsylvania, and so. Um, I went to quite a few of the ECW um, house shows and then at the ECW arena, um, 95, 96, 97. Um, like right around 97 is when they did their first pay-per-view and really blew up. But it was when they were a little bit more, you know, public access late at night. That's when I was going to ECW. Um, when it was a little more wild and it was a little bit more unpredictable and that was exciting stuff. Do you think, yeah, but it was kind of shittier though, wasn't it? (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I don't think so because that's when, that's when you had, you know, Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero and Ray Mysterio Jr. and but you had the Sandman though. coming out and sma- yeah, but we could appreciate the athleticism of the moves. And then Sabu coming in, just like what is this dude doing? You know, like <laughs> that's what really sparked my you know imagination attention was that guy when he when he you know was doing his thing yeah. breaking tables and everything. But that was a really good mix and veterans and just Steve Austin came through there before he went to be Stone Cold and you know Terry Funk and Bam Bam Gordy. So you were there for and, all of that. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't live for like all the arena shows. That's when the big names would come in, but I did go to some of them. And so, yeah, I, w- I was there to see a lot of that live. I mean, it was it was wild.
0: Okay. And
1: then that, I,
0: I love the idea that you went to the. Wait, did you go to a wrestling school? Maybe you didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, which wrestling school did you go to? Al Snow's Body Slammers in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> really? Yeah. You take such a weird path. <laughs> okay. Because it was like, it, and it's always like uh, that idea of. I'm going to go, I've heard this so many times of like, we all have this backyard, not we, but there's this backyard click and then the one guy goes and gets trained. And I guess different things happen from that. Either he'll come back and he'll train the rest of the guys or he's like a traitor, or he's like the hero to the group. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, none of us, when we were doing the the ninja battles, um, none of us had aspirations of being a pro wrestler. The idea started hitting me, um, but, you know, I was able to somehow inspire and, and get all these kids to participate. Like, let's just go beat each other in the backyard and play music and just, you know, improv. That's all it was. But when I started telling them, I think I'm going to go to wrestling school, they're all looking at me like, "What?" It wasn't like he betrayed us. It was just like we were just screwing around. What's 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 Matt doing? Why is he going to go to wrestling school? <laughs> you know. But did, when did, you had this idea for a long time, or it? No, I'd say it wasn't until it was probably about. Uh, 18, like my senior year in high school, when I was deciding if um, I was going to go to art school or what, and I decided I'd take a little detour. It was always my plan to just do it for a few years, wrestling, Um, and so I decided I want to take a break and give it a shot, you know?
0: You were only going to do the wrestling for a few years. Yeah, it was always my plan. That's weird, because you only did it for a few years. It's funny, though. my,
1: My goal, like I didn't realize how the business worked. ECW is still functioning and I was like, that's where I'm going. I'm gonna do it for one or two years and then, you know, go to go to art school. But like I realized you don't just, you know, pop on the scene and be main event in an ECW. It's not how it works. Number one. But number two, once I started getting a name, like around two thousand one, that's right when they sunk, and so I was like, Oh man. But so I did it longer than I was planning.
0: But also you don't get into wrestling, get a name and then peace out. Like yeah. because it takes it's so hard to get a name when
1: you're 18 nobody can tell you that it's you're stubborn it's like that's what I'm going to do and uh, but then you got to get knocked down a few times and realize this is really tough you know but but yeah there was it was weird but that was my plan I was just like I, I want to experience a few things and if you look yeah. back
0: and I know you can't look back but if you look back and say to yourself like oh I I didn't because from from the the it seems like the the jump off the top of Zandig, mm-hmm. the weed whacker—that mm-hmm. kind of all was like added into this idea of like I got to get out, mm-hmm. right? I mean, looking back, yeah. let's say if you were a normal wrestler, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you were a normal wrestler and you were on and you had the popularity that you had, mm-hmm. looking back, would you have rode that out? Truthfully, I
1: might have stuck around a little bit longer, even though, like I said, I wanted to have a short career, but it was almost I. I hate to say it but like beneficial to get hurt so badly because it just sucks so bad walking around hurt all the time that it's like i'm I'm done with this, man.
0: you know yeah I, one of the questions that because I told you I wrote down some questions, and one of the things that really stuck with me mm-hmm. because I, our our minds think I think so differently mm-hmm. is that you, you yeah, in the film, you were just like, I just want to do it and then get out and I was you you wanted to make a mark. there was no monetary uh, monetary. It didn't seem like I want to try to be set for the rest of my life. Then I can retire or I'll retire, you know, once I make a good living that, that had nothing to do with anything. No, it didn't. What about when money started coming in and you, and you were able to charge a little something and you were able to kind of, I don't know, pay, pay some bills with it. All of a sudden you could go out to eat or you could, do it, you can take a vacation because you're making a little bit of money.
1: It was only start, I was only starting to scratch the surface. I mean, like you admire the people that can put it all together like yourself. I wasn't thinking that way at all. Number one, but number two, I never anticipated here more than a decade later to be talking about it. This was my, my time was before YouTube, before Facebook, before social media. I imagine that this would just, be a weird phase i went through and it would kind of disappear on dusty old you know dvds and vhs tapes and then youtube comes out and it comes back i'm like what (laughs) was never my plan you know
0: are you uh, ever sometimes i'm weirdly self-conscious about almost being noticed Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. when i just i don't know if i'm like at a party with a friend or i'm somewhere and like i'm or if i'm doing something maybe if i'm even i'm doing something weird and we I I feel I always have to keep at the back of my mind that like I have to make sure that nobody and I'm I'm a little upset that kind of someone knows who I am that the possibility of like calling me out
1: it um it brings it can bring a weird baggage with it um and from my perspective sometimes people are like why don't you why don't you tell people about your background why don't you talk about it and it's like number one like the first thing that usually comes out is you were a wrestler you must have been bigger, you know. I'm a small guy, yeah. and I'm like,
0: no, it's the same same size. That, and, it's that that stigma is still there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but then but then it's like, well, they wonder like, was this guy any good or like, how, did you? They ask questions, and finally, like, I'll I'll show them some stuff, and then like their eyes get wide, and they look at me, and I'm like, they're like, is this somebody I need to worry about? Is yeah, you know, like is he a psychopath or something? And so it's, it's not good attention and I don't really like it. You know what I mean?
0: Well, yeah. It, and I don't want to do a spoiler to the movie also, but a lot of this is based off the movie. Cause, Spoilers are okay. That's, Cause it's that's, so yeah. fresh in my mind. Yeah. You, you said, uh, you, had, there was this amazing, I, I don't remember the quote, but i I remember the, the gist of it of mm-hmm. you asked wife Peter, why you do this. Yeah. And he, and then it started making you think why you did it. Yeah. And I got, if I spoil, I, you said guilt, right? Yeah. Um, and, a little bit of me, just because who I am, I wanted to be like, no, it's because wrestling rules. <laughs> and you watched a lot of ECW. There's,
1: um, That's part of it for all of the guys that do the high-risk stuff. It's a rush, man. When you set up a tremendous stunt and you survive it and it doesn't hurt as bad as you thought it did and you sell it and make it look like, that's a real rush. But like, I, I was starting to realize like, when it's to that extent that you're ripping your flesh apart there's there's something wrong you know it's 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 not healthy to purposely destroy yourself like that and it's beyond just like i'm desperate for attention or or i want the rush and i started asking those why questions it was it was just in my head like why is this is this going on there has to be a reason that you're <laughs> right? willing to do this did you ever go see a psychologist or a shrink I've, I've talked to people, you know, I, I was friends with, uh, with a professional um, counselor and, you know, I've worked through some of this stuff, but like I've answered those why questions and, and, you know, my film does delve into this, which the guilt I was talking about that I was struggling with, um, it was true. I portrayed it in more of a, not a direct um, form, but like it's there in the film. I did sit through um, a church sermon on the crucifixion of Christ when I was about 16 that was extremely graphic and extremely guilt-laden. And it was a woman pastor, and she ended the sermon by saying, there's not one person in here who would willingly take that upon themselves, you know, but but Christ did that for you. But it was like this guilt-heavy thing. But the fact that she said that triggered me. To, I can't even tell you what it did to me. I was so obsessed. I was like, Are you tell me, like, I wouldn't go through that. And I was just, I, I was obsessed with this. And I in a sense was looking for a way to atone for my own sins. And you can mix in the adventure and the like some of that stuff is really fun in the ring, but I, I finally got down to the root of it is just like I was obsessed with the notion of taking damage to myself and shedding blood. I couldn't get that out of my mind. For
0: blood. your religion? Hmm? I guess I, 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 it confuses, I understand what you're hmm. saying, but also I, I don't know Christianity that well. Yeah. It's, so you're the the guilt is that you haven't done enough for mankind or this was a woman um is an unhealthy woman the, the, this I was gonna pastor, say that this it has to be unhealthy to,
1: to put she's putting all that guilt on the whole it, church right well I'll, I'll just pause it real quick and say it was at that point i told my parents like i'm not coming to church with you anymore <laughs> Um, but they told me that shortly after that, that woman actually said, you know, join uh, a death league, join a. uh, she she went to IWA Japan and (laughs) she she ended up being Lita in the WWE. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But no, she said, she said to the congregation something like, you know what? I'm very aware that I'm, I'm dealing with some unhealthy thinking and I, I need to step down from my position. Mm. So I admire her for that, but it was basically me as a, the kid with ADHD, you know, but, but something got through to me. Here's somebody saying your sins were paid for by somebody else and you should feel guilty about it. And it, it rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, I'm not accepting that. Like I can't stand the notion of somebody else taking my lashings, my whippings, you know? And so that was part of what was motivating me. Uh, then, um, Do you,
0: do you hold a lot of guilt just for other reasons? Is that something?
1: Not today. Um, no, I don't. It was something I got over. And um, again, a lot of this is more beneath the surface in my film, but at the end I'm going through an internal monologue and what I what I the realization I came to is like that was never the message of Christianity. It's not in there. It's it's a free gift, you know. You don't need to pay for your own sins. You don't need to you know, it was it was paid for by Christ. And so I'm just saying it was twisted and it really messed me up as a kid, but that was wrong and it was that woman's fault, you hmm. know. And
0: so you ever uh try to have a chat with her No, i'm not interested not interested (laughs) no 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 okay uh you go to you go to al snow's body slammers in cleveland yeah cleveland Uh, wasn't it lima ohio no it was in cleveland
1: um i remember hearing something about lima when i was there like them running
0: shows or something i think that's well he had a he had a gym he had a, a that's where, the, uh, like, Truth Martini, yeah, and a lot of a lot of these <laughs> guys from I don't, when I started, yeah, that were around me because they probably weren't. I don't know if they were around you. Well, we started the same. You were you ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. It was the beginning of ninety nine. Is when so I started that, training. I guess Danny Daniels in 98, 97, ninety eight, ninety seven. Yeah, Danny, we're in da- He trained.
1: He was the class before me. Um, Blue meany trained there. Um, I think Adam Pierce might have. No. Definitely didn't was He was in the area. Maybe he didn't train there. I just remember... Did some shows up there, probably. Something about him um, hanging around. But yeah, Al started started this school and then... um, He probably hated you. I didn't... Well, two of his students um, took it over because he was on his whole hardcore run with WWE. And so he only... I only saw him once. Um, Crusher Klein?
0: Was that the guy who took over?
1: No. um, uh, One guy... Gosh. Charlie... Kid Copperpot was his wrestling name. The I other guy know was, that name. The other guy was Dan. I can't remember. Elvis Elliott is his name. I'll tell you, he was one of the like kindest guys. Like I'll say in my arrogance, like my first match ever was like 5,000 people in the crowd, a battle royal. And he was in it as my instructor. And he put me in the corner and started chopping me. And I grabbed him and threw him in the corner and started chopping <laughs> him. And I realized afterwards, like, what a an arrogant thing to do. Like I deserve to get beat up, but he took it and he was fine with it. You know, it's, and I it always it made me think of just like, what a, what a kind guy, like I deserve to just get. St- when did you, re- when did
0: you take that? When did you realize that? Oh, that didn't, you didn't realize that
1: right after you did that, did you? No, I think somebody told me early on that like, listen, your first couple years in the business, you might get beat up a couple times. You might, you're probably not going to get paid for your first 50 matches, and and so I was always just like nobody's going to take advantage of me in the ring, and I just had this mindset like if anybody does anything to me, I'm going to take over and
0: whatever. Yeah, you have that. It's you <laughs> a little against authority a little bit. Maybe that's it. Um, I feel I have that a little bit.
1: I definitely had that when I was younger. If somebody's abusing their power, I I don't like to see that at all. Okay, you know, and I'll I'll stand my ground, but not if it's gonna you know, land me a $250 ticket for mouthing off to a cop, you know, sure, like sure. You, okay. you understand when you need to right. want, you know, pay follow the
0: rules. So you go to wrestling school with the idea that you want to be this kind of hardcore wrestler, right? Yeah. Which always. I, mm-hmm. and the, the, especially in that area and especially mm-hmm. they're all grown, they're all brought in on like, you have to know how to work a arm, you have to know how to work a head. Yeah. And there's this kind of thing in wrestling school. And I don't know if it's changed because it's been so long since mm-hmm. I've kind of been to a wrestling school mm-hmm. But the idea of like, it's so looked down upon, Mm -hmm. that style. And it is like basics, basics, basics. And like, if you want to be a good wrestler, you have to know how to do a headlock spot, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess at that time, the late 90s, that was really implemented in these wrestling schools. But you were bucking the system. Were you hiding the idea that you wanted to do this, going into that wrestling school? Did you know better? (laughs) such a determination and such a
1: focus in me that I can remember everybody would just kind of look at me and take a couple steps back. Even my trainers, everybody, I was so determined with what I wanted to do um, and I was going to prove it that nobody really stopped me. And so, um, I mean, I did go through all the training, all the basics, everything I had to learn and and I did it well, but I was always determined to go through with that style and somehow, I don't know, wherever I would go, people would just like, whoa, like do your thing and let me go. The
0: trainers and the vets, they wouldn't be like, you you shouldn't be doing this stuff well no um you know i wasn't
1: trying to train violent stuff but i did always want to skip steps i remember i wanted to learn 450s and they're like come on you can't do that and so i was living in the gym and so what do i do i pull the crash pad out and i remember one night just like crashing about a dozen of them it really hurt until i finally learned oh if i grab my ankles like this i'll i'll hit it and then i you know i taught myself to do You know The things that I wanted to To do
0: When you When you were doing So you like made this big name At CZW Mm -hmm. Were those like your first matches After being a trained pro (laughs) No I wrestled for Did you do the shitty shows
1: around Oh yeah Oh yeah I think I wrestled for over a year before um, CZW brought me in Okay And I was living in Pennsylvania And so Since I trained in Cleveland I made connections there And so You know I was driving seven hours out And doing You know Just real crap Indie shows in Cleveland And then finally uh, PCW under Blaine DeSantis, um, picked me up in Pennsylvania and from there, a bunch of other indies. And then I met, uh, the back seats, uh, uh, Trent acid and Johnny cashmere. And I was doing just a straight, uh, wrestling match, but I was calling a spot where, you know, you bring somebody in the hard way. I was going to get brought out the hard way and take a bump on. It was like a roller skating rink and, and cashmere overheard this and he was like, what and then he started you know paying attention and then he said hey man give me give me some of your stuff I'll show it to Zandig and and then he got me into CCW.
0: and you you wanted to take that hard way bump to the outside because of the of this guilt or because you thought it would look awesome (laughs) the combination of both I was just motivated to be a
1: high-risk wrestler always like it was uh it was a combination of both I was obsessed with taking damage I mean I didn't want to you destroy my body to the point that I hurt um, the rest of my life but I you know I, I wanted to take a beating I wanted to bleed that but was- there,
0: there is that mathematics or science to it right like mm-hmm. what's the highest risk thing I can do that won't hurt or mm-hmm. something like that or, or what's the coolest thing that, that's so innovative that people will be like holy shit and then you find that line of like high risk to not hurting yeah. as it's performed. Exactly. <laughs> and as you know, sometimes the stupidest thing will hurt
1: you that you wouldn't imagine. Oh, tell what do you, you got some of those? Or you remember any of those? I always tell people like the stupidest one, like one time I was just picking up a table I was gonna slide in the ring and it it I, it slipped out of my fingers and dropped sideways and landed on my big toe and broke <laughs> it. And I, I was just like Oh, but nobody saw it so you just have to continue and pretend but you know like i mean a, a powerbomb can really hurt you i mean just it's stupid stuff like that you know somebody does it doesn't quite throw you flat your upper shoulders hit first your head bounces and you almost get knocked out i mean i've had that happen you know and oh, the stupidest stuff like, yeah yeah uh
0: so uh, we first met in um in minnesota -hmm. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, it would have been uh, Steel Domain, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you, what was happening? You were doing the CZW stuff, but you had moved back to Minnesota.
1: Yep, yeah. I was uh, about 2000. I moved uh, back to Minnesota, where I was
0: born. And were you? So here's something I'll I'll say to you, which I think is, I don't know if it's fun for you to hear or not, but I remember. So there's a point where we were in the we were in BW3s, and you were showing Punk and I like footage of the CZW stuff oh, really? that you were doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was you in the back seats mm-hmm. with with kind of like some real innovative, weird stuff. And I remember how like uh, you were like, this is the future, and you were super excited about it. And you had the camcorder, which is kind of <laughs> fitting that you kind of always carried your camcorder around. Uh, yeah. And I just remember uh, I eventually then did the MAW Hardcore Cup. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a American. tables and ladders match. Uh, Maybe just, no, tables and chairs match with Dino Bambino. Right on. Because I don't know, a little bit of me was like, I don't know what it was, and I'm trying to think back now, like saying to you, Mm -hmm. almost there was a little influence of like, this is getting attention, you can see how cool it is, people are liking it, and maybe I should kind of change, not change my game a little bit, but maybe this is something you have to do to hang with with what's happening. Mm. And that's going to go to you influencing... uh, People yeah. and it, the style influencing, and then influencing all these young kids. I mean, we were the same age, yeah. and I was influenced by it.
1: <laughs> it's you know something that I've struggled with today um, is the fact that I was never laying a blueprint for a long lasting career. I mean, here you are; you're still going, and and
0: luckily, I just did the one hardcore cup. I
1: and- was burning the candle at both ends, and like you cannot do that lifestyle and last. And I mean, maybe you can, but you're not going to live a very comfortable life, you know? And, and, and I knew that. And so it's not fair really, you know, <laughs> like to, 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 come out there and grab attention like that, you know, with a whole business full of people and it's, it's damaging. Like
0: it's, yeah. Well, when you see these kids saying like, I, you know, I looked up to you, this is why I do this stuff, mm-hmm. but you, do you still champion that style?
1: I will always be a fan of the ECW hardcore style, you know, mixing in just a little bit of the gimmicks, the tables, the chairs, you know, ladders. Like, I really think they did a great job with that, but CZW came along and Zandig had a vision for The only way to top this is to just we get hurt worse, and you know, like that's not that's not it. That's not how you top ECW. So so. do you
0: worry when you when you come back to Cage of Death and you see what these guys are doing?
1: I worry about these guys. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of them, you know, they're they're really feeling the wear and tear. I mean, I see their personal lives and they're they got some issues, you know, and it's yeah, it's. Did you see
0: that Vice documentary that they? Yeah, that was that was really well done. I thought it was greatly done. Yeah, it was very well done. And it's so weird how. I don't. I always feel that like good footage and good filmmaking can make, not not to say it wasn't good, but all of a sudden I was like, wait, am I a huge CZW Deathmatch fan? What's going on? Because I don't know. I, I, and you can appreciate that as a filmmaker and someone in, in you know working in this and I guess in both worlds yeah. that there's just something about great filmmaking and great shooting that will make something look awesome that maybe you didn't know was awesome.
1: They they did a fantastic job of making it accessible. And I don't mean introducing like, hey, this is something you should do, but bringing you into an environment which is quite uncomfortable. I mean, if you go there and you sit in the crowd, I mean, you you can see the people there. I mean, they're just screaming their heads off and pissed drunk a lot of them, and it's it's not going to be a real comfortable environment for a newcomer. You know, it's going to be like, where am I? And yeah. oh, whoa, you, glass just came flying in the crowd. And I mean, but they made it accessible so you could at least
0: look at it and understand what's happening. And but that's our it. scene. Is the wrestling scene is where am I? what is this but we know this world so well mm-hmm. and i always think that's kind of you know indie wrestling's kind of hitting a boom mm-hmm. where it's underground music and you know you see him first and that's kind of what we've all it's always been yeah. but now people are realizing it but also it, you know whenever i invite someone to a live wrestling show they all i think they always think of arena wrestling that's what i call it mm-hmm. but if you just come to these small indie these cool small indies i would say Uh, you know the shitty ones you bring your kids to those Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but like the cool bar ones that are for 18 and above that are for the right audience Mm -hmm. like no one's ever like this was awful i feel and i think that's because it's this like underground experience it's still underground which i find weird i don't know if you find this weird but i was never part of i was never the kid that knew the bands that nobody knew i was never like a hipster Mm -hmm. in terms of anything art or culture yeah but for some reason i guess i kind of am for wrestling yeah i don't know if you if you were like that you must have been cuz you knew the weird japanese animation and stuff right yeah i liked some fringe things
1: you know when i was a teenager and and some people you know fans it's just to what degree do you want to turn up the volume or the intensity of what you're watching i mean you can go to a wwe show and it's it's thrilling it's it's exciting but you go to a czw show um and it's it, like i say you better protect yourself you better well there's you're gonna I'm, there's gonna be you know a wrestler flying through and bl- blood you know s- just splashing on the family. I mean, you it's, ever
0: worry about that
1: oh man big time at the end i just like i was so focused on getting into the wrestling and you know building a name and doing the violent stuff and all of a sudden you know there's a couple people i'm wrestling with and i know their personal lifestyles and I'm just like and I'm gonna be swapping blood with this person. And it started really making me nervous at the end. That's I, something
0: I noticed. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. also saying about your your blood flying onto audience members, mm-hmm. like your Gallagher in a watermelon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Literally.
1: I mean, like we we've had situations where here's a little trick, like if a fan is really heckling you and you don't like the person and you're doing a violent match and your, your back's all bloody, you you basically just aim for the guy, shoot your opponent and say reverse Irish whip and just like jump and go flying into the guy. Like I did that one time, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's concerning. But today, um, yeah, the blood you, tests are much more serious. Like they, they're they on top of that.
0: And I was like, going to say, where mm-hmm. did you, after it was all kind of said and done, was there a point where you were like getting a blood test and then, as the results were coming you were kind of like uh the i was
1: really fighting for blood tests at the end um and insisted before i did the second tournament of death i told zanding i want my opponents all tested okay 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 and the day comes i'm just like so what about the blood test he's like well i told him but they just didn't do it and i i was pissed about that so i mean i did my final performance and yeah i got a really thorough blood test and i think it took like six months for the results to come back and and I was a little nervous about that honestly um yeah. but it's okay fortunately oh yeah. you are good okay <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean I, there there are a couple of people who got hep c um abdullah kobayashi you know and he had to take off a year or two and th- there's a whole process the dialysis they they you can beat that but big japan right yeah yeah and um Kobay- you know, i mean i'm saying that he's in big japan
0: yeah, yeah mm-hmm. okay.
1: um, but you know american guys were going over and wrestling him mm-hmm. and and so i mean it can happens yeah uh, you moved to Japan. Mm-hmm. Do you
0: speak fluent Japanese?
1: I wouldn't say perfectly fluent, but I I do fine. I was on a film set with a Japanese woman yesterday, We were taught, speaking Japanese, and I was helping her with emails, you know, um, with her English and all that stuff. So yeah. So.
0: Did you fall for Japan while wrestling there? Did you you wrestled yeah. for Big Japan, right? Yeah,
1: and that was uh, could not believe the place when I went when I went there. I left the country before, but. I went to japan age 20 um did a tour and it's just like what what planet am i on and i i couldn't believe the culture man I, there's just such self-control and such manners and such it's such a safe place it's such a peaceful place i mean like i know there's below the surface a lot of dysfunction going on but like externally i just admire the order and the discipline and the something i just love about that culture well how did that tour come about just, through CZW they had a relationship with Big Japan were wrestling. you
0: Were uh, did you know that this was coming and you were hoping you'd be picked or was it something that was just kind of sprouted on you
1: I was very interested but I didn't imagine I'd go I was only wrestling I don't know less than two years at the time something like that and I, I was still just learning just learning
0: learning, learning but
1: I, I got the chance and so I was I couldn't believe it I can what remember, I'm
0: saying was w- yeah. did you know that they were going to pick guys and y- did you know they were going to pick guys and then like it was you, or did they just say, hey, do you want to go to Japan, and it kind of came out of left field? That situation where they are bringing it I'd say over. it kind of came out of left field. They had already done a couple
1: tours, but I, again... So I, there's
0: no anticipation of you being like, oh, my God, I hope it's me. No, I I one. no,
1: I, I just didn't imagine it would be. I, I, as a matter of fact, I think I'd only done, like, three shows for CZW, and so I'm still just, like, trying to survive in this hostile environment and win the fans over and everything, you know, and, and they were just bringing me in job me having me get killed and you know um i wasn't actually i wasn't doing violent stuff at first but um i was at my own choice taking some pretty serious bumps but um i was just like trying to get over in the company but then all of a sudden it's like hey do you want to go on this tour and i was like
0: what yeah. <laughs> couldn't believe it yeah so in the film it hit me and i didn't realize and this is i guess mm-hmm. credit to the film that like oh like it made me go oh and i guess that's probably the job your job to do that mm-hmm. is you said like, there's a lot of lonely nights you just walking around. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I think of like, oh, maybe I should move somewhere. And then it hit me, the realization of like, well, that sounds good moving to L.A., but the reality is I'll probably just sit in my apartment all day (laughs) and doing nothing, and then I'm just in L.A. away from everybody. There's a certain isolation that comes with- Do you have any friends or know anybody? Oh,
1: yeah. I had friends, but I, I can't really explain it, but like- well, the apartments are so small in Tokyo. It can be awkward hanging out with people. Um, and a lot of people just want to get out of their apartments. And a lot of people are dealing with stress, whether it's, you know, the, the cost of living is really high or jobs just kill people too many hours, whatever. And, and people kind of tend to isolate and fall into depression. I mean, it's it's so widespread there. Uh, it's, it's why you have so many of the weird, you know, host and hostess bars mm-hmm. where you pay somebody to just sit and pretend they're interested in you. I mean, that it's it, bizarre culture, but um yeah toward the end like i had a good number of friends but so many of them i I never got tired of that city of tokyo i'd want to go out and see things but my friends who live there they're just like stressed out by the city overwhelmed they just want to sit at home and and do nothing i liked it when people would come through and a lot of people did and i'd meet up with them you know friends or wrestlers or whoever to go around and see the city but um and it's a very lonely place though it's strange how lonely tokyo can be you couldn't
0: see yourself living there the rest of your life.
1: No, because my primary interest is uh, the film and TV business right now, and their industry is really struggling. So for that reason, I still love the city of Tokyo, but um, specifically because of the film industry. That's why I'm here in Los Angeles. But
0: you knew there would be an out. When, when you moved there, you knew that wasn't the rest of your life. Yeah. I um, Same as
1: wrestling. Um, <laughs> I, I ended up... Um, staying in Japan for about five years and same with the wrestling business about five years, but yeah. my plan was only one or two.
0: You're a real five-year guy. Right. <laughs> I
1: suppose. But the end, honestly, I wanted to leave, but I couldn't cause I wasn't making enough money to leave. And I was just kind of stuck there the last year, year and a half. Like I got to get out of here. I got to get to LA. And finally, Finally, I'm just like, screw it. I'm just going to uh, run up credit cards and move to L.A. No and,
0: shit. We, we, you're, yeah. Were you working over there?
1: Yeah, I was working. Doing uh, what? Freelance editing, writing, directing, and then acting as well. Um, just all freelance stuff. The, fir- know, the first year was all documentary film work for a relief organization related to the disaster, and then from there, just freelance film in general. You know, I
0: was talking with Kenny Omega. I don't know if you have a relationship with him. I haven't met him, but I, of course I know who he is. Yeah, so. and he was just... he talks To me, he talks perfect Japanese, and I was like... <laughs> I was like, "Do you think you could, you know, become like the star?" And he was like, "No, like, like the Japanese would make fun of the way I talk because it's not that perfect." And I was like, "Oh God!" So he's like, "I couldn't transition to like mainstream Japanese film, if that makes sense, like our equivalent of Hollywood." He couldn't be like a Hollywood star as They're an American very, guy or a North American guy.
1: Very few opportunities for foreigners to be a megastar over there. Um, I'm friends with um, the guy who plays Lady Beard. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he's he's an anomaly. But look at what he's doing. It. I, I met him right when he came to Japan, and he had, he had. Re- and for context, he's this
0: Australian. Is that right?
1: He's Australian and trans, um, kind of, or just not trans, but he he's a yeah, dude. No, with a beard yeah. No, No, you talk up. to him. He's he's not gay. He's not um, trans or anything like that. He's just a, a dude. You know, real polite. He's got a he's got a big red beard um, and, and pigtails. Um, but yeah, he dresses up in kind of like a schoolgirl schoolgirl uniform and his character is lady beard. Um, and he's released albums and see, he stunned, he, he trained in, um, stunts and, and choreography in Hong Kong for years and martial arts. Um, and he dabbled in pro wrestling. He does some wrestling events and all that stuff. So, um, but he, but I met him right when he came to, um, Japan, he'd kind of given up on Hong Kong and was kind of down and everything. And, and he showed me his stuff and I, I said, dude like you're gonna blow up here And yeah. he's like oh thank you man Take-. and i was like no listen to me i mean like fast like it, it it's gonna happen you hear me and he's like you think so i'm like i, I do and sure enough like he connected it with a couple of talent agencies and they're like whoa and they they put him on tv and and he just blew up no um, shit. yeah so it's all sorts of albums and everything and and then ironically Hong Kong decided they wanted it like they can't get enough of them and they're flying them back all the time. It's yeah, a good,
0: it's a good way to live.
1: Yeah, yeah. And but so, anyway, t- I'm saying in Japan, he's so odd and he's so loud and he's so funny. Um, yeah, he like he's huge. But to just make it um, straight on you, strictly, you know, I can speak Japanese. It's it's tough. Like it's yeah yeah very tough.
0: Uh, okay, a couple other things I wanted to get at mm-hmm. the the weed whacker. Yeah, which I guess at that point was probably. At that point, for, I guess for context if you don't know, you mm-hmm. took a weed whacker to the stomach, still got those scars, obviously, mm-hmm. I'd assume, yeah, uh yeah, <laughs> not happy about it <laughs> um that was that was the highest thing probably at that point in at least American wrestling mm-hmm. that had gotten to like and by highest, I mean like topping, topping and topping, yeah uh, and you've obviously you're taken out by this right now of what you've been taken out by this, you yeah. seem checked out by that, huh. Oh, no, no. Um, just bringing it up. No, it's 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 quite all right. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's funny because I wasn't the first person to do that. As a matter of fact, two years prior, I was touring Japan, and it was a house show, and I saw um, Yamakawa. He was a big star for Big a Japan. house show? Yes. <laughs> and I kid you not, he took one as bad as the one I took, and it disturbed me because it, this is a stupid reason for it disturbing me. Usually when I would see dangerous things, it's just like, yeah I could do that like yeah I could I saw that and I was just like so distressed like I don't know if I could do that and I obsessed over it and then like a couple years later I just picked the right stage to do it on I knew there were gonna be a lot of wrestling magazines this was like the first big death match tournament in the states and I don't know it's a lot of press was there and it was you know the third round the finals it was how I was gonna lose and it's my idea and so um now I wasn't the first to do it I've seen wife beater take one before I did, um, mm-hmm. uh, really bad too, but it's just uh, the right time. You, you knew to do it at the right time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if there's a right
0: time to take a word back, I
1: suppose that was, yeah, the right time.
0: Uh, and then uh, the other one was uh Rory Gulak, mm-hmm. who was Little Mondo, mm-hmm. and I don't know. So, I think, mean, I guess to kind of close it all up, you he's changed his gimmick, and, and he's not, he's no longer Little Mondo, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess your your thoughts on just kind of the process of him, obviously, like knowing that you the the way I the way that you showed me that video at when I when we were both let's say twenty yeah or twenty one yeah. but he was uh, thirteen and probably super impressionable and it's not on you I guess to be a parent at twenty one <laughs> and I don't mean a parent but you know like knowing that you're a role mm. model right yeah yeah he's he's ten years younger than we are so he would have been.
1: 10, 11, going to wrestling shows, watching this violent stuff. Uh, for people who don't know, um, I was Nick Mondo, and he would show up as Little Mondo, dressed like me, and just a heel. It was hysterical. Like The the whole crowd be like, F Little Mondo, clap, clap, clap. But like Channing, he'd stand up on his chair, and F you, I'll fight anyone you got. Like, <laughs> just a heel, a natural heel. But fast forward, like five years after I quit uh, wrestling, this kid was... Um, I guess he would have been uh, 18 and debuted as Little Mondo. He'd put on some weight, and I'm just like, I had no idea he was going to do this. You didn't? I had no... I
0: could have told you was, that.
1: Well, he was hanging around the wrestling school training, and so I figured he's going to get in the ring, but I I'd never even crossed my mind that he would actually carry on my gimmick. But he had, um, a, he
0: had a gimmick. Yeah, but I would <laughs> At 11 years old, he had a gimmick, a but, built-in well, in gimmick. well,
1: here's what Logic would tell me. If he steps in the ring... And does that the fans are probably going to give him a really hard time unless he matches or surpasses you know the violence that i was doing which yeah. is which is a heavy weight to bear you know but but he did it and i i couldn't believe it um gets more and more into the violent stuff starts destroying his body and yeah i had a real hard time watching that and my film um the trade kind of focuses on that storyline and eventually i came back it was kind of like a bargain. He, I just said like, listen, if I make an appearance in one of your matches, like, will you, will you tone back some of this stuff? And okay. And so, I, yeah, I came back and I appeared in one of his matches, and that was when he decided he was gonna retire um, from the death matches. He is doing just a pure, um, straight wrestling style right now. Right. But but he retired the little mondo gimmick at that point. So that's gotta feel good. It was relief. It was relief. It's like I, I can see other people making their decisions to do whatever they want to do in the ring. And I get it. You got to get it out of your system. But but watching him get hurt and reenacting what I was doing was was difficult to watch. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, and of course, mm. that movie is The Trade. Uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Mm um, where else can you can we get that? That that's it right now. It's on Amazon
1: Prime, but soon it'll be on Google Play, and early next year on iTunes. And I'm working on a collector's edition DVD um, with a bunch of bonus stuff right now. But Amazon Prime is the best way to find it. And I believe several titles come up when you search for it. If you just look the trade nick mondo um you'll find it i think i typed in nick mondo okay yeah or just nick mondo it'll come up um but apparently there are like a bunch of titles with something the trade in the title but um nick mondo will bring it up. but uh and are you on social media as nick mondo or are you doing matt burns (laughs) um it's a a mix both um facebook uh yeah facebook.com slash mtb mondo um, MTB is Matthew Timothy Burns and Instagram, um, MTB Mondo as well. But yeah, thank you, man.
0: And that's um, how people get a hold of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're doing freely. You're doing, you're trying to make, and the story is you're trying to make it in LA. Yes. Yep. Uh, goal right now is just to get
1: another, you know, full length film or TV pilot going. And so that you um, make,
0: yes, but you Uh, also, you're, you're doing, you're trying to, you're acting and stuff.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not an ambition to do much with acting, but it's, it's an easy way to pay the bills right now. And so I'm doing a bunch of just tiny things in TV and film um, background work mostly, but, but yeah, I'm in LA. You're one
0: of these millions of people who are in LA trying to yeah right? yeah it's, it's got to be so similar to wrestling oh yeah and those dudes all over again it
1: really is but same as same as wrestling if you figure out what you can do uniquely like you have man you can you can make a living you can you can do it it's just like i think there are too many people trying to imitate what others are doing but if you figure out what your brand is and what your identity is like you can you can make it there's room for anybody i think so, amazing yeah great to talk to you bud you too thank you
0: all right, Nick Mondo on the show. Super interesting, I thought so. Especially when watching his movie and then going to able to kind of ask all the questions I wanted to ask right after the movie. I wish him all the luck. Hopefully I'll be seeing him on the small screen. I did have six lines in Chicago PD, though. Know. All right, uh, before we get out of here, let's get to some plugs and... Upcoming events! Alright, the best way to support colt digitalcult.com, especially wrestling dreams. Please buy it for a little one for Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate. Twitter and Instagram at Colt Cabana, Facebook slash AOW Podcast, also slash Colt Cabana. My storytelling podcast, Pro Wrestling Fringe, plus all the past archives of the show. They're ad-free and they're on StitcherPremium.com slash premium. Use that code COLT50. Get the whole year for less than 20 bucks. Wrestling at gmail.com is my very public email. Maybe a promoter you want to put me on your upcoming show or convention. I got a YouTube channel. I got a website, ColtCabinet.com. I also got a PO box, but I'm going to have to switch that number pretty quickly. Upcoming Friday, November 24th, Cleveland, Ohio, AIWrestling.com. Saturday, November 25th, Chicago, Illinois, AAWrestling.com. Friday and Saturday, December 8th and 9th, Brooklyn, New York, Rahway, New Jersey. WrestleProOnline.com. December 15th and 16th, New York City and Philadelphia. I'll be doing commentating for ROHWrestling.com. December 24th, December 30th, January 3rd, Tokyo, Japan, DDTPro.com. Go to the Dome Show and then see me wrestling at Kurikan Hall. Saturday, January 6th, the next day I get back, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Facebook slash First Wrestling. Friday, January 12th, Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Facebook slash River City CW, Saturday, January 13th, Austin, Texas, WrestleCircus.com, and Sunday, January 14th, Chicago, Illinois, Facebook slash Zello Pro. That is the show for this week. All right. It's a good one. Thank you to you guys at home for listening. Thanks to Nick Mondo for coming on the show. Thanks to Cable Guy Jeff and Stu Stone, Kid Russell, Matt Jenkins on the music, Dane Miller and Creaky with some tech help. Let's thank some sponsors, HighSpots.com, a VOD service that gives you some. PWG, some Kevin Steen shoots, some $5 wrestling, plus anime knee pads, gear, mask, wrestling rings, one hour tees.com. They help run Pro Wrestling Crate.com and Pro Wrestling tees.com. They have a physical place that you can come to in Chicago. TweakedAudio.com slash the Earbuds that I use get over 30% off and free shipping just because you listen to this show. All right, this is that's it. I finished it. I did it in a new place. I feel pretty good about it. There's no train running by. Will you guys miss that train? I won't. I mean, I will a little bit, but let's. Come on. I won't miss that. (laughs) Moving's weird, isn't it? You gotta get used to a whole new routine. I don't feel like uh, it's home yet. I don't have a couch yet. You gotta get a couch. I've been Craigslist couch shopping. Everyone's telling me not to do that. Saying, Colt, you gotta just buy a new fucking couch. And I'm like, I wanna get a Craigslist one. They, you know, it seems like you can always get a cheap couch somewhere, but that's the that's the big debate inside my head right now couch cabana oh nothing like laying on a couch for a while and i don't have one i got an empty room with no couch i gotta put a couch in there these are my problems people decent decent problems to have all right till next week this has uh been the art of wrestling for colt cabana i'm colt cabana thanks